How do you decide how to inject the forehead? For both botulinum toxin and dermal filler, there's a lot to think about. You need a good mental model of the anatomy, and then all of your injections should make sense. We need to be safe and effective and efficient with our product. That's what we're discussing today on the Aesthetics Mastery Show. Welcome, I'm Dr. Tim Pierce. Hi, I'm Miranda Pierce. Let's dive into the forehead. So what are the reasons we would even bother treating the forehead? So before I dive in, don't forget to give us a like. If you have faith, you're going to learn something and I'll do my best to deliver. So the forehead, aesthetic indications, uh, most commonly it's just lines and wrinkles. And that's where most aesthetic practitioners start. Fade the horizontal lines that develop as you raise your eyebrows uh, and most of your patients will, will be happy for some time. But there's a whole lot more interesting and nuanced stuff that you can do in the forehead, uh, which we should discuss. With filler, particularly? Well, with filler and with Botox. Um, you really The question is, what's the ideal shape forward in terms of beauty for a male and a female? And what are the ways that we can move closer to that using injectables in particular? And there are many, many things you can do. Uh, many of them are extremely niche and you hardly ever do them. Uh, but many of them become quite common when you're good at consulting and identifying the problem earlier on. Okay. So what are the aesthetic indications? So if you start with lines and wrinkles, it's just simply the horizontal lines that come with uh, aging, lifting your eyebrows up, and you'd obviously treat those with toxin. That's probably 80% of all the forehead treatments that go on is just that simple, get rid of some lines and wrinkles. Now, beyond that, uh, one of the earliest signs of aging, I think, in the female face is a loss of the feminine arch. So the, ar the arch of your eyebrow just slightly settles and it's like one or two millimeters, but you can spot it if you look closely, there's just a little bit of settling. Uh, and that's, it gets obviously more and more noticeable until you look at many much older people and there's no arch left, eyebrows are completely flat. So it starts early 30s where you just need to create a little bit of a brow lift as you treat those horizontal forehead lines. So beyond that, you have actual loss of the eyebrow arch completely and heaviness of the eyelids, which can come about as you get older. Um, but then there's a lot of volume changes, which are very useful to know. And these, these are the, probably the areas that are treated the least because treating the forehead, as most people hopefully know, is more risky because the blood supply comes from the internal carotid, which, which is essentially a branch of the ophthalmic artery, which means if you're placing volume there, there's, a, a, in theory, a higher risk of causing blindness. So it's an area where you need to know your anatomy, you need to have a good reason to treat, uh, and you need to have a good injection technique. Tell us more about the forehead volume loss. So probably one of the more common indications would be that you lose maybe the lateral frontal fat pad and then your eyebrow movement persists, obviously because you can't treat all those lines with botulinum toxin. So you have a line that stays above there and you can treat that with a little bit of volume replacement. Beyond that, you're actually trying to harmonize the what you're really seeing in terms of the shape of the bone. If you look at the, the shape of a skull, you've got the frontal eminence, the periorbital ridge, there's often a little valley in between. And as you get older, that gets bigger, probably with a degree of bone loss, but also with fat loss. So the complexity of the forehead gets more. So you see more contours and shapes on an older forehead. If you look at a young forehead, this all harmonized beautifully together. So often a treatment would involve harmonizing those, those uh, connections between those underlying structures. Um, and if you replace volume in the, in the frontal fat pads, then that will create a more, the light essentially catches the forehead in a more gentle way and you don't see the complexity underneath. 
even beyond that, there is beautification. So there are some people who have a relatively flat forehead. They don't have, you know, for example, a strong frontal eminence or they are uh, slightly recessed. So it's more masculine to have a forehead that slopes backwards. And if you're feminine with a with an angle that's slightly masculine, you can actually shape reshape the forehead with dermal filler. Obviously involves much higher volumes and those are other reasons why you would be placing filler in the forehead. So tell us what we need to know about the anatomy in order to inject well. So let's consider what the tissues are on the forehead and then consider how each one of those tissues is important. So we obviously have fat, connective tissue, muscle, skin, bone, blood vessels, nerves, arteries and veins. So those things are all important in their own way, um, but we're most concerned with the arterial blood supply to the forehead because those blood vessels come from the ophthalmic artery. So internal carotid blood supply, ophthalmic artery, and then supply the forehead. We need to know where those vessels are most vulnerable to injection and therefore not to inject in those places. So it's actually very easy to know where they are because they're very well described. You'll find the supraorbital artery parallel with the inside of the iris. So if you draw a line directly up from the iris, that's where that artery should be. Medial to that, you have the in the frontal notch, you have the supratrochlear artery. Now both of those arteries will stay deep for about one and a half to two centimeters from the periorbital ridge. So that is the place where you will never put a needle. I think that's a very dangerous place to be putting a needle. I, I know some people do it. Um, perhaps if you're extremely confident and you're, you're relying on being in between those two arteries, you maybe can, but I, I personally would never put a needle in that area. And if you ever are injecting there, it's probably much safer to use a cannula. Now, beyond that point, it's important to understand the vessels are, are then making their way up more superficially. So they will cross the frontalis muscle and then end up on top of the muscle where they can supply both the skin and the muscle together. And I believe the nerves follow the same path, which is also useful to know. So they become more superficial and smaller as they go up the forehead. And this becomes useful to us in terms of designing a safer injection pattern. The muscle itself is sandwiched between two layers. So you've got the skin and the hypodermis then you have the muscle and underneath that you have loose areola tissue and this is really the the planes that we need to think about when we're injecting for both botulinum toxin and dermal filler where are you intending to be and how will you know that you're at that depth so how do you know what depth you're at and whether that's appropriate for the the goal you're trying to achieve so when you're actually injecting the skin you can actually feel by the resistance that you get what depth you're at so if you're doing a botulinum toxin treatment in the forehead you'll feel it's difficult to pass the needle initially and then it suddenly becomes easier. That's the transition between the dermis and the hypodermis. And if you keep going a little bit more, you should then be passing into the muscle. And if you keep going beyond that, you're going to touch the bone. So I personally think the best place to inject is in that intermediate zone. If you're injecting in the dermis, you'll feel the needle, it's harder to push the needle. So as you try and inject, the skin sometimes blanches. Um, it feels difficult and it's it's just a harder injection to do. A little bit further beyond that, the skin is much looser. Well, you're not in the skin, you're in the in the fat. So there's much less resistance. Think of the, the dermis as really densely packed connective tissue. So injecting into it, there's no room. Or as soon as you're into the other tissues, it spreads more easily, so you can tell. And then as soon as you've gone all the way through the muscle and hit the bone, then you can tell because it's hard. So in between is in theory, more efficient because we're trying to get toxin into the muscle and therefore we're trying to get it. I think the ideal position would be just on top of the muscle. But I believe the nerves are mainly going to be on that top surface and it will be, in theory, more efficient to place it at that level than right on the periosteum and certainly not in the dermis, which is more painful and too far away from the muscle. What about filler depth in the forehead? 
Well, actually, for exactly the same reason that I want to be superficial and above the muscle with the with botulinum toxin is also why I don't want to be in that position with filler because you can't block an artery with botulinum toxin. In fact, you will you will actually see in foreheads occasionally you go intravascular and you see a little flash of white and that's the saline mainly and the toxin flashing through the capillaries it doesn't block anything disappears. You probably waste the product, but it's not harmful. And the exact opposite would be true with dermal filler, which is if you had a filler injection in that exact spot, you're much more likely to block those capillaries and then you'd have a localized area of necrosis. So um, what I would be trying to do is get underneath most of those arteries. So we're injecting deeper. If you're going to use a needle, I actually don't like using needles in the forehead, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but I, if I was to do that, I would be on the periosteum at least two centimeters above the periopital ridge. So I'm, I'm intending to be underneath those arteries. Uh, and that will allow me to revolumize, reduce some lines and wrinkles with minimal chance of, of injecting any arteries. So tell us why you use cannula. So I, I like the idea of being gentle and slow with the cannula in this area. The other thing is you're, you're quite often at 90 degrees to the arteries. If you picture the arteries running up the forehead, the way I would enter with my cannula would be at 90 degrees to those. And that makes it much less likely that you're going to get into a vessel. My My way of thinking is, you know, I want to get the aesthetic result with minimal possible risk. So it's like, I know where, where I want the filler to go. What's the least dangerous way to get it there? And in my mind, running 90 degrees to the arteries makes it safer. Although remember, some of them do arc over. So there's still a chance that you'll have some running parallel, but they should be much smaller. Um, but the other thing is, with a gentle technique and with observing your cannula tip very closely, you can tell when you're intravascular or not. I believe, maybe not, it's not the most sensitive of all the tests, but if you're injecting and you see a little bulge, that's a good indication that it's not flowing into a vessel. Another thing you can learn from injecting toxin is if you do get into vessel, you don't often get the little bolus that forms. It literally flushes through. So it's, it's almost like, well, where did my product go? I injected it and it's gone. I think that's when it's gone intravascularly. And that's what I don't like to see with filler. So as I'm injecting with a cannula, I always spend the first second just waiting for that bulge and then I immediately feel a bit safer. The other thing is with the cannulas, you can keep moving a lot. So as I talk about quite often, I'm not just concerned with frequency of vascular occlusion. I also want to decrease the severity of vascular occlusion. So by keeping your cannula moving and against hopefully with little or no resistance. So that's also a protective sign. I like the cannula to be sliding easily. If you're punching holes in things as you're injecting, then who knows if it's a vessel or a piece of reticular tissue of some sort. So um, I like it to flow easily and I like to see the product coming out of the cannula and filling the place that I intended to go. Um, and I like my patient to look comfortable. And all of those things should make it less likely that you're in injecting into a vessel. I think static injections of boluses are more dangerous because of the severity of the occlusion. Even if they're less likely, if you can make, I don't know for sure, but maybe they're less frequent, but if they're, they're probably going to be more severe if you do occlude a vessel. So putting, you know, a 0.1 mil bolus into someone's forehead, that's significant amount of dermal filler if it's gone into the wrong place. So I would rather not do that in one point. I'd rather spread it out with a cannula. And putting all of that together is why I prefer cannula broadly speaking when we've discussed other areas of the face and we've asked cannula versus needle sometimes you do say for example in the chin last week that you do need a needle in your toolkit because it's better aesthetically for an aesthetic result is that not the case of the forward it's fine to use a cannula for the aesthetic result 
Um, I think you're less likely to get it quite as deep, but it's easier to get underneath the, the muscle um, with a cannula. And then you're effectively in the same place. So I don't feel like there's a huge payoff. Uh, but yes, you will. You can always get deeper with a needle because it, it, the nature of it. Um, the, the importance with chins and cheeks is when you place it on the periosteum, um, it's, it, I think it basically moves and it behaves more like a chin should or a mm. cheek should. Um, now, the forehead is a little bit more, in most cases, you're replacing fat pads. So I don't mind being in the fat mm. pad. So okay. aesthetically, it feels very similar to me in the forehead. If you're trying to replace volume loss, which filler would you use? So interestingly, I don't use a volumizing product, even though I'm replacing volume. And the reason for that is because it's such a small area. I mean, you just haven't got that much tissue to hide it behind. It's not like a cheek or a chin. Mm. So I think it's much better to use a soft product. So Juvenum Volbella, Volift sometimes uh, as well. Um, I think that works well. It lasts a long time. Uh, it's probably worth pointing out that low viscosity products are not safer. Uh, I believe when I reviewed all the literature on blindness, there seemed to be, and I didn't, I didn't do a, a complex analysis of it, but it seemed to be quite a few cases where very low viscosity products had caused blindness. And I suspect they can permeate through vessels a bit easier. Like you can get across all little anastomoses a little bit easier. So don't think just because you're using Volbella that it's safer. It's still enough if, if you inject it into the wrong place that it could flow quite well in a bad way into those vessels so uh, but those are the products i tend to use would be something like juvenile volbella in most cases a nice soft product that's that you can't see lumps and bumps in the light so let us know what you think in the comments what did you learn from that what else would you like to know do you like treating the forehead or do you never touch it we'd love to hear your views and don't forget to subscribe to the channel because we just went over twenty thousand recently thanks to you guys subscribing it means a lot to us and hit the notification bell so you know every time we upload Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye.